Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I see there's lots of white in the crowd today since Memorial Day was last weekend. Y'all felt the freedom to put on white. Is that right? Is that why you're wearing white today, Bob? You waited for Memorial Day? (laughs) One of those unwritten rules that some people pay attention to and others of us could care less about. But anyway, welcome to Greater Alton this morning. We are happy you're here. If you're visiting with us and your first time, we're especially glad you uh, came to be with us. And I hope you come walk away with a greater understanding of God and of our Lord Jesus as a result of that this morning. Uh, We are finishing up today a series uh, entitled, Why Church? And uh, Alan started the series four weeks ago and he talked about whether we attend or belong... And uh, then he talked the next week about how we need each other, how the Bible talks about that we are not independent soldiers out there fighting for Jesus or doing His will, but we actually need each other. That's the whole idea of belonging to the church instead of merely attending church. Two weeks ago, uh, Mike Denius talked about how we share hope and how we have the same hope. And then last week I talked about worship. And what worship really was and what the heart of worship is. Uh, and how it is a matter of recognizing and attributing God's attributes. And in return, pledging to live your life for Him. Pledging allegiance to Jesus and to follow Him and His way of life that He taught. As opposed to merely going about it our own way or merely being religious. And today we're talking about... Oh, let me go back and check got the wrong notes up here. We are going to be talking about uh, ministry. And I'm entitled the lesson, Considering Ministry. I don't know what comes to mind or your mind when you think of ministry. In the past, uh, Greater Alton has had many ministries and that's kind of been a trend in churches in America uh, to organize themselves and to have different opportunities for people to serve in different ways. And they refer to them as different ministries. And, and you have those going on. Um, and a lot of times we've even had it here where we have a ministry fair where we have, uh, the different ministries that are available and we, they have set up booths and they, we're asking people to consider being a part of a ministry. And so today I, I, I wanted to entitle it Considering Ministry. And so, one of the first things we want to look at is, is what is a ministry? I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of ministry. I think of some things that might come to mind real quickly is activity, time, organization, and meetings. Okay, those are all typically, traditionally, shall I say, at least in my lifetime, associated with ministries. You have meetings. You're involved in a specific type of activity. Um, and all of these are designed to do something that is serving Jesus or serving the church in some capacity or in some ways. We've had ministries that, that help the poor. We still have that in existence called the, the Good Samaritan Ministry. And we've had different ministries. We've had a coffee ministry where people, and that's been suspended due to COVID, and I think that one ought to come back. Am I, am I, are we ready for co- coffee? Post-COVID coffee. There you go. Time to change the name of the ministry. Uh, 
But anybody, when you, when you, when you think of ministry or you hear of ministry, something probably comes to your mind. And it usually has to do with churches. Just so you know, and we'll get into it in a minute, the word ministry is not used exclusively with churches. Did you know that? Yeah, that's right. And we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but just as we begin, I, it gives a few questions just to get your mind to racing, get your mind to thinking. Um, what are, cause I, because I spoke about worship last week, do you see a connection between worship and ministry? Some people said yes very quickly. Okay. Do you see any differences between worship and ministry? Okay. Just again, just to get your mind thinking what in there. Um, you see guys, I, uh, like last week, one of the things I talked about last week, and I referenced an article that I read about worship and it talked about the five vital parts of worship. Okay, and talked about prayer and uh, communion, and it talked about uh, preaching or here listening to the word being preached, which is what I'm supposed to be doing this morning, and uh, giving, and what there was a fifth one, singing, singing, and those are the five vital parts of worship. And I very clearly, I hope, gave the gave the picture you learned that worship is far more than those five things. Okay, and the one vital part is you're acknowledging God for who who He is and taking action based off that. Because you've pledged allegiance to represent Him. See, because you can go through those five vital parts. You can be a participant, even an active participant, in all five of those vital parts, as this article described it, and still not truly be worshiping God. You can simply be going through the motions and you can be approaching it as a religious act, a ritualistic thing, but there is, if there is no acknowledgement of God in your mind and your heart, if there is no true commitment to represent Him in your life, I offer to you it's not really worship. You may be involved in religious activity, and guys, it's the same way with ministry. That's one of the connections that I see. That you can be involved in ministry and not truly be representing Jesus. Jesus put it this way. There's two paths, two things He said. Uh, one is in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. That's not in your notes or on the screen. Um, and it says that, this is what Jesus said. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Alright? He says there's going to be people who say, call Him Lord, and they're not going to make it. They're not going to be considered right with Him. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name, and in Your name drive out demons, and in Your name perform many miracles? What are they saying? I think it's fair Comparison to say, they're saying, hey, we were involved in ministry, Lord. We were involved in activity to represent you. What we, we were doing it, we thought to represent you. And what's Jesus go on to say? He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. You see guys, it is possible, what Jesus is saying is it is possible to be involved in activities, which we call ministry, 
in His name and not be doing His will. Is that accurate? Did I miss it? No, I think it's pretty plain. It doesn't, it, you don't have to have a Bible degree to understand that what He's saying or to dissect that very quickly. He went on in Luke chapter 6 and He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see, guys, I believe that we live in a, in a, and I'm not sure if this is all through history, but I, I believe it could be based off what I see in, in, in religions and traditional, uh, even traditional Christianity, is that we want a ritual to follow. Alright? I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you drive down either the Homer Adams Parkway in Alton or, or down Troy Road in Edwardsville and you see all the new restaurants, and I haven't done an exact poll, but this is just off the top of my head. I believe that probably 90% or more of the restaurants that you see are either franchises or chains. Okay, there's very few unique restaurants. Okay, there's one across here on 140. It's called the Pork Barrel, by the way. Um, but most of these are franchises. Chick-fil-A has taken off. McDonald's, we know about. And we know about all Why do you think that is? I'll tell you why, because I'm a businessman and I understand it and I've considered franchises in the past, is because if you're a part of a franchise, you don't got to know everything. They give you a list of what to do. You do this. This is how you interview people. This is how you train people. This is how you market. You don't have to figure it out how to market. I meet with a guy once a week, one of my managers. His name is Joe McKenzie. Most of you know him. He's my marketing manager. And we talk about how do we want to market. If we were part of a, of a franchise, that franchise would tell us what to do. And I think as human beings... And especially as Americans today, we'd rather someone just tell us what to do and I just go through the motions. And I don't have to learn all the whys behind what I'm doing. I don't have to have the heart involved. We were talking with our, I was talking with my marketing manager and we have a potential competitor coming at one of our locations. And he's talking about, we got something they don't. We're, we, we are going to have we have the experience. Okay? There's no book for creating an experience. Okay? We want it to be unique to us. And I believe we've done it. That's why our car washes are like french fries at McDonald's to little kids. Okay? If we can get moms to bring their kids through and to buy the car wash with the lights, guess what? They all coming back. They all come back. But, but I digress, guys. The, the point is, we tend to want to go the other way because there's security in it. There's safety in it. I'm taking less risk. Someone's just telling me what to do. I don't have to figure out what to do. And that is, I believe, the tendency there. And if I can just go through the motions, if I can just check the boxes, if I can just punch the time clock, so to speak, in my relationship with God, I'll be okay. And the ultimate truth is I can do what I want with the rest of my time. Is that fair to say? I mean, I don't know, and I'm going to spend a lot of time here on the introduction, and trust me, I'll, I'll speed up here in a minute. Um, 
But guys, this is, this is the truth of the matter. I've got, I brought two, two props up here. That's why I'm on the stage today, because I wanted to be up here with my props. On this side, we have a new, brand new 86 inch smart TV that the church has purchased for use. And just a side note, I thought when we bought it, and it was a smart TV, it was smart. I didn't realize that I had to be smart to operate it. <laughs> side note for all of those of you who are here with the chosen, uh, I figured out finally how to seamlessly cast it to the TV, and I know we're not doing that anymore, but I wanted to let you know. Over here we have a whiteboard. Okay? And I put these two props up here to represent two things. In Matthew 25, Jesus talked about at, at judgment times, He's gonna separate those, everybody's gonna be separated either on His left side or His right side. And he talks about on the left side, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I really encourage you to go back and to read Matthew 25. The story I'm reading specifically, or mentioning, referencing specifically, is the second half of the chapter. But he is, he's, he's saying that those on the left didn't do my will, did not represent me. Okay? While those on the right, they did represent me. And I chose the TV because the TV, there's nothing that represents my will more than Jesus' will in my mind than the TV. Okay, when I watch the TV, I'm trying to change that, by the way, because with the smart TVs, now you can watch YouTube and you can select what you're watching as being more educational. And I know that there's a distraction there between, you know, because you can find all, they recommend videos to you, right? You know, um, but this pounds into me my will and it pounds into me its entertainment. And for the most part, when I sit in front of a TV, again, I'm trying to change this. When I sit in front of a TV, I'm serving myself. Is that fair? You know, if I'm watching the Big Bang Theory, I have yet to find any way that I'm serving Jesus or thinking about serving Jesus or planning on serving Jesus while I watch Big Bang Theory, short of turning it off. Okay, and I mean, I, I mean, you it goes on and on, and I just maybe that this is a bad illustration, but that's what it is. Over here, this is what this represents what Jesus wants me to do, and I chose this white blank, this black, this blank whiteboard for a reason. You know why? Because when you're serving the will of Jesus in your individual lives, we talked about last week. You, you don't have a ritual. You don't have a routine. You literally get up every morning and you don't know what Jesus is going to present you with for that day. You don't know what it's going to be like. It's new and exciting. And I told this story uh, about, about the, uh, the gentleman who was, who was living out in the back of our building that Danny's been reaching out to, Danny Gill. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that story from last week on our website. Uh, if you weren't here and getting and get to hear about it. But Danny had no idea when he got up that morning that he was going to be going to be thrust in to this young man's life. Okay? And we talked about his natural desire, as was mine, when we first started talking about was to get just get the guy off the property. But representing Jesus, Danny goes, I don't know how to but he was I'm paraphrasing. He was but in that conversation Danny's going, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It was a blank board. And you talked to Danny and I shared about it last week. Danny's filled that board up with stuff. 
Okay? He's got to know his name. He's got to go, you know, be comfortable with him. He's provided food for him. He's put, while he was in jail, he put money on his account. He's been in touch with him. The the list goes on and on. He took his, I mean, this guy was homeless. He took his stuff while he was in jail and washed it in his own washer and dryer. I mean, Danny did things. He didn't plan that. There was no list. And uh, quite honestly, in reference to that situation, there's still white space on that board of, of how Danny's supposed to represent Jesus in this situation. And you see, guys, the truth of the matter is, when a person decides they want to follow Jesus, they don't just instantly get over here and live over here. Right? You don't come up out of the baptries and go, okay, now I'm following Jesus, show me what you want to do. And you spend every minute of your life serving Jesus. Most of us live, all of us, excuse me, live in the middle. Live in the middle. And, and Jesus understood this, by the way, alright? That's why He said in Luke 9 that if anyone would come after Him, He must what? Deny Himself, take up His cross, follow Him. So I don't feel bad that every part of my life isn't that way right now, but uh, is more of my life that way. You see, guys, because this is what ministry is all about, is serving the will of Jesus and not serving my own will. Um, that is what it is. But what I, the whole point of this illustration of what I wanted to get to is, guys, too many times, even though we exist in the middle and we're trying, Jesus expects us to be moving in this direction, sometimes we just want to stay in the middle. And we want to, but we want to feel like we're doing the will of Jesus. Does that make sense? You follow me? And that's where I believe rituals are and rules are. And what it is, is we, we look at it, and I have several examples of this, but one of my best ones is for years, I put a, I have put given regularly to the church for years. Alright? Even before my wife and I were married, we both, you know, gave better than 10% of our gross income. We've, we've done that. We continue to do that. But sometimes, guys, it just, it's just writing a check. It's just like paying a bill. And sometimes you can feel like, hey, I've given my money to the will of God, so now what can I do? I can do what I want with the rest. And I can feel good about what I do with my money because I give money to the church. I've even thought this when somebody's asked me for a donation for some other need. I go, I give so much money. I'm good there. I've done the will of God with my money. I don't need to give anything else. Okay? And that's the danger. I believe that's the danger of what Jesus is talking about. Because we want to say, look, I've given my time. I've spent my three hours per week in this ministry for the last ten years. I can do whatever I want with my other time. Let's go watch TV. And so guys, that's... That's, I believe, the danger that Jesus is talking about. And guys, I want to continue on with this, and I'm, I'm probably staying on this a little bit too long. But in my research of looking at this, the word ministry is in the Bible. But to the best of my understanding, the word ministry kind of came about as a result of the English translation. When you look at the word, which is diakonia, I believe it is, 
don't know if I pronounced that right. The Greek word that is translated ministry, it's translated a, a handful of other ways. Okay, it's, it, I believe it's translated ministry the most. Another time it's translated as service. Another time it's, it's, it's translated as minister. Another time it's translated as waiting on tables. Another time it's translated as preparations. But the word, the Greek word simply means to serve. Now it's interesting that the Bible, the, the, the New Testament writers and the Christians of the early century took words and put a new emphasis on it. Okay, we see that happen today in our society where words change meanings. Words mean something different. And they did that with this where the idea of ministry or serving is held up. Um, Where's it at? Where's my notes? Oh, in the Greek culture of that day, i got two quotes here from Plato, and this is what he had to say about service. How can a man be happy when he has to serve someone? And then he goes on to say, the only service deemed to be of high value was that rendered in behalf of the state. Okay, so when we look at this Greek word that means service, it wasn't something that they held up. And that's all it means is to serve, is to wait on. Jesus, on the other hand, says the servant's going to be the highest position in the kingdom. And he goes on to say, Jesus said, if anyone wants to serve me, as as we talked about, he must follow me. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, guys, it's taking this Greek this, this, this Greek word for service, and we, we bring in the English word ministry, and the English word ministry incorporates what Christians use the word for, and that is, it's something that acts as an organization, company, or bureau that provides service for another. You see, guys, that's what ministry is is we are providing service for Jesus. That's what ministry is. It's not just a matter of doing something good, but it's a matter of doing something good because you are representing Jesus. And we've been talking about this at Greater Alton for a while now, where it's not a matter of following rules, it's a matter of representing Jesus. So the question is, how do I get involved in ministry? How do I, I, maybe you want to say, how do I get involved in true ministry and not merely activity? Number one is I get to know Jesus. Okay? I get to know Jesus. Why do you think we need to get to know Jesus? Because it's Him we are representing. When I told the story about Danny and, 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 and the young man last week, and I was just wanting to get him off the property, you know, the thought very quickly overcame us. That does not represent Jesus well. We just don't... Why did that thought come over me then as opposed to five years ago, ten years ago? Because I know Jesus better now today. And I understand what He wants. Look at what Jesus had to say here in John chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at verses 19 and then 42 through 44. And Jesus is talking to some people there who it says believed in Him, but they disagree with Him. 
And it says, where is your father, they asked, which is really a slam, because they know he was uh, conceived out of wedlock. And the question is, who really is your father? So they're trying to dig at Jesus. Who, Where is your father, they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He goes on later on in the conversation, says Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil, and I, and you love to do the evil things he does. Guys, if we are going to represent Jesus as children of God, we've got to know Jesus. The passage I read earlier in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, away from me you evildoers, I don't know you. He's going, again, what he's saying there is, I, I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. You get to know Jesus, He knows you. If you're representing Him. Guys, there's a, uh, there's a song I looked up in reference to this. There's a group called Casting Crowns. And they had an album several years ago. Man, I'm getting old. And it says, uh, uh, the, the album I believe is The Altar and the Door or Between the Altar and the Door. And they got a song and they talk about, uh, what takes place. Some churches have an altar where people are able to come forward at the end of the service. And a lot of times when people come forward to the altar, there's a lot of tears that are shed. There's a lot of conviction. There's a lot of commitment expressed. And they have a song on this album that's called Between the Altar and the Door. And it doesn't take much to figure it out. What happens between the altar and the door? You know, and in the song they talk about, even before I rise to my feet, the tears are dried. And you know, basically what they're saying is, I'm convicted by the words of God. I come into the presence of God and I have conviction and I have sorrow for how I am and I have commitment to be a different person, but it changes by the time I hit the door. I lose it. Now, well, that song illustrates something very, very clearly that I believe is a problem. And that is, Conviction isn't limited to being in church on Sunday morning. Okay? Sorrow over your sin. Commitment to live for Jesus. Being in the presence of God for a follower of Jesus should not, does not have to be limited to a church service. Did you know that? You see, guys, we can be at the altar any moment of our lives we choose. 
And we can be convicted and we can make commitments to Jesus as we understand God, as we're in the presence of God and we acknowledge Him like we were talking about last week as worship. And that worship can be at any time, any moment, anything going on. My question is, where's your altar? We don't have an altar here. Okay, we don't have an altar call. Do you have a personal altar? Do you have a place where you come into the presence of Jesus? And please, I'm not saying you should have one place and one place only. Alright? But what is your place? What are you doing to get to know the one that we are trying to represent? The one that you have committed to represent being Jesus. What are you doing to get to know Him? Okay? Number two. And this goes right along with it. If I'm going to get involved in ministry, I focus on Jesus' desires daily. I've already read this passage or referenced this passage in Luke chapter 9. It says, Then He said to the crowd, If any one of you wants to be My follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow Me. And guys, the emphasis there, two words, daily and follow. Daily and follow. Daily and follow. Guys, you want to you want to know? You, I'll give you a prayer that if you'll if you if you if you have a hard time doing this, and you I'll give you a prayer to recite right now, every day, and I believe it'll if you're sincere, it'll change your life. Jesus, what's your desire for me today? As you get out of bed and you're faced with the with the with the stresses, with the frustrations of whatever your day presents. See, guys, that's what's considered a successful day for me. Have I represented Jesus today? Not that I get my list checked off, but how did I represent Jesus while I was trying to get my list checked off today? How did I do it? And to really focus on his desires. You see, later on in 1 John chapter 2, this is what one, this is what his best friend while here on earth had to say. And he says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims I know God, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely They love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Guys, that's the goal right there. To be able to look at what Jesus has to say and to move on to our third point, which is I take action. I take action. In Matthew 25, which I uh, encouraged you to read earlier, there's a there's another story Jesus told before the one about judgment. And this is what it says, or in that story, uh, there's there's a master and there's three servants, and the master entrusts each of them with money while he goes away on a journey. Uh, the first two double their money. The third one was afraid of the, of what the master would do, and he buried the money. 
And when the master came back, that's what he said. He said, I was afraid. I hid your money. I didn't want to lose your money. Here's your money back. Don't kill me. Uh, and this was the master's reply. It says, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. What is he telling him? What is he condemned for? He's condemned for out of his fear, he did nothing. And what the Master is telling him is you should have done something. You should have taken some action. And guys, I just want to tell you right now, you have opportunity to minister before the rest of this day is up. After you leave this building. I don't know what it will be. But you are going to have an opportunity where you are going to, if you are looking to represent Jesus, you will have the opportunity to represent Him in some way that I can't predict. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's where somebody's mad at you and you refuse to get angry. Maybe it's where you apologize and you weren't the one in the wrong. Maybe it's where you are helping somebody with financial need that you don't think deserves it. I don't know what it's going to be. But you have the, going to have the opportunity. And Jesus, I can tell you, if you're a follower of His, if you claim to be a follower of His, expects you to take action. Even if it seems like a small thing. Because that's what He tells this servant here. He says, the least you could have done. At least you could have put my money on deposit with the banker. At least you see somebody in need, you can pass that need along to somebody else. At least. I don't know what it is, but guys, our, our Master wants us to take action. We see an example of this, guys, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And what's going on in, in what Paul, is, the writer of 2 Corinthians, is referencing is there was a famine in Judea and in Jerusalem. And so the Christians were pooling their money together from out from the Christians outside of Jerusalem to send to Jerusalem, to send to Judea, to help these people with this famine. And Paul here, the writer of 2 Corinthians, is referencing the, the Macedonians. And this is what it says about them. He says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Guys, I, I didn't, I, I should have put more of that passage in there because what I left out if you go back and read it yourself, side note, you can do that. It's okay. Go back and read your Bible on your own. Read more than we reference. Is it talks about, he talks about how they were in extreme poverty. Basically, what was going on is the Macedonians were so poor, Paul says, yeah, we ain't asking them to participate in this. 
We recognize they're having a hard time getting by. And what does it say? They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. Guys, that just blows my mind. And what they're saying is, we're committed to representing Jesus. Jesus helps meet people's needs. These are our brothers and sisters, and we want to help, and we don't care that we don't have much. We're going to take some action, and Paul, you ain't going to stop us by not asking. Guys, that's the attitude that Jesus wants us to have when it comes to representing Him and and serving other people and meeting needs. Fourthly, guys, first fourth thing I do, I'm going to get involved in ministry, is I recognize the ministry of others. See, guys, this is <laughs> didn't really forgive me. I'm I'm laughing at myself in my notes because what I was just telling you about is now. In my notes. This is what it says. It says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. What is he saying there? What's he doing? He's, guys, he's bringing forward a principle that we need to recognize. And that is we need to recognize what others are doing. Why did I tell the story last week about Danny and the young man? Because I hope everybody in this room was encouraged by that story. Because I hope there was somebody who heard that story and this week said, I can do something to represent Jesus. And guys, we need to recognize those things going on. And I want to tell you, they are all over the place. They are starting to permeate this church. Did you know that? Open your eyes and you'll see them. And I'm going to say another word, guys. If you are doing it, start talking about it. You're not bragging. Unless you're bragging, of course. But don't do it to brag. Okay? Do it to encourage. Do it to to give an example. Sometimes I have to make that decision when I'm up here and I'm telling a story about something I've done. I believe me, I'm not trying to get your attention for me. I'm trying to give you an. Ex- I'm trying to get, let you guys see it. And it was very exciting. A couple years ago, I got a phone call on a Saturday or Sunday evening from Nathan Gill. He's like, "Oh man, I'm shaking and tingling right now. I've been listening to what. Just so you know, I've been hearing what you're saying." And he'd ran into somebody at the hospital, coming out of the hospital, and they were in need. And he went and bought gas for them and gave them a Walmart gift card and ministered to them in an encouraging way. Gave them encouragement for what was going on. And all of a sudden, he's like, his eyes are open because of the stories I've told. Guys, we need to recognize what others are doing. And not only that, we need to talk about them. When you see somebody else doing something, and it's just like, wow. 
You need to let other people know about it. Because guys, we are all in this together. We are all representatives of Jesus. You see guys, when I join others in ministry, when I recognize what others are doing, and, and I join them in it, I am both, or I will, encourage and be encouraged. Guys, that's what's going to happen. Um, if you uh, look at this next passage here again, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6 and 7. It said, this is what it says. So we urge Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Guys, hearing about what others are doing and spreading the news about others doing good things and representing Jesus in a powerful way, you will encourage you and will encourage other people. Guys, the second thing that it's going to do when I, when I recognize and join in ministry with others is I will be transformed. I will be transformed. Um, the passage there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, So all of us who have been, had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Guys, now I just, let me stop you there real quick. This can be a, this can be exciting for some of us. And this can be a little bit of a barrier for some of us. You see, because some of us, I kind of like myself the way I am. Anybody else that way? Anybody else good with how you are right now for the most part? Alright? Yeah, I got a few rough edges. But guys, we need to be transformed. Well, that's part of following Jesus is this transformation process. Uh, and then finally, guys, uh, when I join others in ministry, I'm going to help create unity. Guys, this is what I believe with all my heart. We've talked about unity around here at Greater Alton for years. We don't talk about it near as much anymore. Uh, but there have been times when I know I've been involved in conversations and the idea of unity uh, was not what biblical unity really was all about. It's more uniformity. We all think the same way. We all look the same way. We all do things the same way. We all believe exactly the same way. Uh, following Jesus looks the same in most of us. There's a uniformity to it. That's not the unity that Jesus wants us to have. But, but I want to show you this in John chapter 17. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me. What this is in John 17 is this is the night before Jesus is to be crucified and this is Him praying to His Father before He dies, before He's to leave this earth. And He says, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them 
as much as you love me. Guys, Jesus is about to die. He's about to be crucified. And after that, to be a sin, go up, go up into heaven and not be on earth anymore. And what he's praying for is the unity of all the believers that will follow. That's the, he's praying for our unity. He's praying that we will be united. And I believe with all my heart, guys, that we that are to be united around this fact that we are trying to represent Jesus. Okay, And each of us is going to do it in a little bit different way. Because we're all in different circumstances. But if we are all trying to represent Jesus, guys, there will be a unity that will take place. So guys, I don't know where you are this morning. You may look at it and go, man, I'm ministering all the time. You may look and go, wow, I need to get involved in ministry. Okay, You may look at just some of the points and say, you know, that's something I haven't thought about. Guys, what I'll leave you out this morning and I want to pray about is here in just a second is that there's a commitment to represent Jesus above everything else in your life. And if you have that commitment and you are trying to find out what Jesus wants you to do, you are going to have abundant opportunities for ministry. Let's pray and we'll be done. Father, You are... You are amazing, Father. When I look at You and I take the time to sit and be still and to either read Your Word or to think of Your Word or to hear Your Word. Father, I'm amazed at who You are, what You've done, and what You're doing. Father, I am most amazed at Your patience with me and Your faithfulness to me And the faith you have in me, which is seen by the simple fact that you haven't wiped me off this planet. Father, I see, as I get older, I see very clearly my imperfections. Father, the gross mistakes and sins of my past. And Father, my, my understanding of representing you and what, what I should have thought when I was younger gets clearer. And Father, the fact that you still have me here, you still want to try to use me, is just incredibly humbling. And it's inspiring. And Father, I know that is how you feel about every person in this room. Father, that is your plan. To spread the knowledge of you is through people, is through individuals who have individually committed to be your followers in this world, to be your lights, to be your ambassadors who get together collectively and shine brighter. Father, it's my prayer for us as individuals and for us as a church that we truly do represent You well in this world. And it's in Your Son's name that we pray. Amen.